Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and provide a foundation for understanding it, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and in this season number four, you'll find a new approach, including interviews and covering a wide variety of subjects. But after you listen to this episode, I encourage you to go back and really explore the previous seasons as they are full of valuable information. You get to pick and choose what to learn about next. Season one covers common aesthetic or cosmetic surgery topics and skincare, while season two explains reconstructive surgery topics. Then season three goes over general questions about plastic surgery. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion, as well as those of any guest interviewed. It is not intended to provide medical advice, nor is it a substitute for a formal consultation with your physician. So stay tuned for this interesting journey we'll take together in the ever-expanding world of plastic surgery. Let's go. Thigh lift, lower body lift, they sound so exotic or extreme. For example, a lower body lift incision essentially goes all the way around the body. But these procedures have actually been around for a long time. Yet what are they really? How are they actually done? And while they can create a tremendous change in the contour appearance of the trunk, on the flip side, there can be some trade-offs to consider. So when would someone be a good candidate? Well, these and more are the questions we are fortunate to have Dr. Melinda Hawes, the future president of the Aesthetic Society, answer for us. She makes it all clear. Here we go. Well, I'm pleased today to have with me Dr. Melinda Hawes, who is a premier plastic surgeon in Nashville, originally from Illinois, I believe. Is that right? That is correct. Downstate Illinois, not Chicago, but everything outside of Chicago is downstate. So Fair enough. Okay. Well, welcome and thank you for being here. Could you please describe the breadth and scope of your practice for us? So I am a board-certified plastic surgeon in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in practice with my best friend, Mary Jagrass, also a plastic surgeon. She and I met in 89. We like to say that was in uh, daycare, but it wasn't. That was actually her first (laughs) year of residency in my third year of medical school. We both have nearly identical practices, which is also unusual, but I do primarily breast and body. Up until, I guess, really COVID, I was doing face surgery, but that was the thing that I stopped. We got so busy after COVID, as I think most plastic surgeons did, something had to go. And face was my least favorite thing. And I I think you're better at things you really enjoy doing. And I like to do surgery that I'm really good at. So now I do breast and about half breast, half body. And a lot of breast revisions. I'm all aesthetic now. Oh, great. Well, and congratulations are in order. You're also the future president of the Aesthetic Society. I am. Which some people still know as the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, or ASAPS. Could you explain what that society is and how it differs from the ASPS? So American Society of Plastic Surgeons, ASPS, is the big overreaching society that covers all different specialties. It's kind of the one we all get to know as residents, I think. And because they are so big, they're very big on advocacy and and handling things in general. There are slightly smaller societies for burn surgeons, for hand surgeons, for microsurgeons, 
and for aesthetic surgeons that focus directly on aesthetic surgery. Now, the interesting thing with plastic surgery is that I think plastic surgeons, everything we do, whether it's a burn reconstruction or a breast reconstruction or even a carpal tunnel, we probably do it more aesthetically or more cosmetically yes. pleasing than other specialists doing it. So the Aesthetic Society, we strive for the best education we can for board-certified plastic surgeons in aesthetic surgery to try and be cutting edge to help educate not just the physicians, but their staff in the best yeah. and newest techniques. I'm the second woman president. Hey, hey. And the first woman president is president right now. Yes. So the society's been and around, I think, 56 years. She's great, fabulous. Yeah. And so in two years- some changes there. Good for you. Yes. And then after me, there's a, a guy. And then after that, another woman. So at that point, we finally catch up. In four years, we catch up to ASPS, who's had three women presidents. Oh, gosh. So it took a minute, but we've made <laughs> some big changes. Well, you know, one concept of surgery we perform as plastic surgeons is recontouring or reshaping the body, and we were just kind of talking about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are many procedures that fall into that category, but today we want to focus on some less common ones, but very helpful in the right situation, namely lower body lifts and thigh lifts. Could you explain for the listeners what the goals of those two procedures are and what body parts are affected? So I think most people are very familiar with tummy tucks after babies and tightening the skin there. Lower body lifts are just exactly what it says, tightening the skin on the lower body. And that usually encompasses, can be the tummy, but also the butt and the thighs and the thighs in particular. Most commonly after significant weight loss, but sometimes with age, we can get extra skin on our thighs that hangs down and even extra skin in the groin crease can hang down the rest of the thigh and make it difficult to feel comfortable in a pair of shorts or in a skirt. Mm -hmm. So getting rid of that extra skin makes you feel better in your own body, which is what our goal is as aesthetic surgeons all the way around. Absolutely. Yeah, that can be a problem for patients, you know, even wearing yoga pants or, you know, tight fitting clothes and to have those bulges and excess skin that just sits there and you can't do anything with it, that's kind of demoralizing for a lot of people. It is demoralizing. And to your point, you know, you and I are of an age that when we were 10, even bathing suits had thick liners to them. Clothing was yes. made thicker. Yes. And you couldn't see what was going on underneath. And now with the advent of stretch pants and Lululemon pants, any little dent, any little excess, let alone if you have a fold or a a tethered C-section scar yeah. can be seen when you're fully clothed and it is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's eye-catching. It is eye-catching. Yes. So for the lower body lift, we're, we're dealing with the tummy and the butt. You get a little butt lift out of it. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. uh, the outer thighs in particular. Um, and then some people consider a thigh lift to refer particularly to the medial or inner thighs, although you could do a lateral thigh lift as well. Absolutely. But who would be a candidate for these surgeries? So people who are candidates are, you know, otherwise we don't want to do any elective surgery on someone who isn't healthy. And you have to be in good health, cardiovascular sure. health. If you're someone who's lost a lot of weight, we also want to make sure nutri you're nutritionally sound. And back in the early days of the gastric bypass surgeries, 
some of those surgeries, people got pretty anemic and really weren't in great nutritional health. You know, those surgeries have improved and it's less common to see someone with gastric bypass who is anemic or who needs nutritional help to get in good shape so that they can heal. So once you're a good candidate nutritionally, health-wise, then it's someone who has extra skin somewhere that can be pulled and tightened. And again, I come back to the tummy tuck because I think Many women have children and end up with everything changes, right? And even if you don't have children, our collagen changes over time yes. and everything yes. just menopause. gets, yes, and everything just gets looser and starts to hang down. And a thigh lift is not the same as putting on a pair of pantyhose. We can't quite get you that smooth, but right. we can get rid of the extra hang. And I think the biggest change I've seen in thigh lifts has been... You know, early on, we only did them putting the, the incision right in the groin crease. So it went snaked around behind the butt and in the front, right in a bathing suit line to try and hide that scar, which was great, but really only tightened the skin and maybe the upper third, maybe upper half of the thigh. Mm-hmm. But we've progressed now that we'll do thigh lifts with an incision that goes all the way down the inside of the thigh to the knee, which if you think about it, that incision isn't very visible unless you've got your legs apart, yes. which would happen maybe <laughs> For a at prolonged the beach. Period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but with that one, you can tighten, you know, all the way around the leg. Circumferentially, yeah. Yeah, and I had a friend who described it as it's it's the difference between hemming the pants and changing a bell bottom into, you know, a cigarette leg or a, or a thin leg skirt. That's a great analogy. You know, so if you can tighten all the way around versus just shortening it up, it really does make a big difference in what result you can get. That makes perfect sense. So, you know, a lot of people who have massive weight loss, you know, they get rid of that fat, but the skin does not shrink back. And so it just hangs there. And that can be uncomfortable in clothing. It can be unsightly. And and people can, you know, even get rashes and things underneath those little creases. Absolutely. So it sounds like those are great candidates for a lower body lift or a thigh lift or some other type of trunk lift. Mm Mm-hmm. And is that the only reason you think, or are there other situations? You know, you mentioned age before. Genetically, some people have more of a predisposition to stretch that skin out no matter what, and there's not much they can do about it. I think that's very true. I think genetics play a big role. Sun exposure plays a big role. Oh, right. Smoking, uh, different environmental factors really can affect your collagen quality and how quickly things sag, as well as big weight shifts. Yes. You know, there are some some women who never really were tremendously overweight, except they gained a lot of weight during pregnancy. And women with poor quality skin, it just doesn't snap back. Yeah. And that's not anything you can change about yourself. Yeah, there's no exercise that's going to change that skin elasticity. No exercise. And I would say, wouldn't it be nice if your aunt had left you a couple million dollars instead of bad skin? (laughs) But we can't control what our genetics are. We just do the best we can, right, with what we have. And, you know, some people just genetically have like extra fat, which causes hanging skin in their inner thighs. And it's an extra deposit. And sometimes you can just liposuction that out and the skin collapses and pulls up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't, and you need to take out skin. Yeah. And it's men too, isn't it? It is men too. Well, speaking of liposuction, is liposuction often done in conjunction with this or, or some other non-surgical ancillary procedures done in conjunction with these types of surgeries? 
it's not uncommon to liposuction right beside the skin you're going to take out. You know, there's some different techniques now. Look at on YouTube, people film the way they do their surgery. I'm afraid people are going to be doing it at home in the garage. I don't recommend that. No, no, no. (laughs) But like the Hunstead avulsion technique where your liposuction under the skin you're going to take out, tack up the skin and then pull that skin off, which sounds pretty barbaric and it is. But if you think about it, all of this skin tightening stuff is kind of barbaric, really. Yeah. But it's how we get to our good result. I see patients a lot of times with thighs where I want to tighten the skin on the thighs, but they're still, you know, we're all different where we carry our weight. Some are apples and carry it in the trunk. Some are pears and carry it in our butt and our thighs. So they're just too bulky. And they're just too bulky. And you can't tighten them as much as you want because they're too bulky. So oftentimes I'll two-stage people Ah, where I'll liposuction, especially if it's big amounts, a large area of fat off of the thighs. And the benefit of that is you get to see how much the skin's going to retract on its own. Mm-hmm. So maybe you wouldn't have to take as much, yeah. Maybe you don't have to take as much. A woman can be at goal weight and her thighs be completely out of balance with her butt and her arms and the rest of her body. So I, I like to think that plastic surgery is its best when we're contouring somebody and, and making the outside reflect the inside and putting the body back in balance. So oftentimes I'll do liposuction, but sometimes it's staged and then come back and take off skin. Sometimes it's done at the same time. Just depends on how much liposuction I need to do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And what do you think about some of the non-surgical skin tightening, energy-based procedures that are out there? Do you think there's a role for them in helping to tighten the skin or do you think there are limitations? You know, I really am hoping for one day there being a great skin tightening device that is predictable. Ah, predictable. That's a good point. You know, we don't have one in our practice just because I can't look at somebody and say, okay, you're going to get, your skin's going to tighten well, Mm -hmm. or your skin isn't. And it seems like everyone I've looked at, it works really well for maybe 10 to 20% of the population. Another 10 or 20% get modest results. And the other people are just angry because they spent a lot of money and they can't see the difference. And if I can't see the difference, I just, I hate to continually apologize. So I think energy-based is coming. I don't think it's there yet. And I don't use it. I know there are people that use different energy base Mm -hmm. in conjunction with their tightening procedures. I haven't. The other thing that makes me a little nervous about energy based is I've learned on tummy tucks that we go back and do tummy tucks on people who have had different type of energy based liposuction or on facelifts where people had different energy based things that you can go back there than to cut out skin later when the patient's now gotten old enough, they want to get skin out Mm -hmm. or things have gotten lax enough to remove it. And there's such a plane of scar because Uh, a lot of that energy base works by creating scar tissue that pulls the skin up. So it's a little more challenging to work with tissue that's scarred underneath. It is challenging. I've had a couple of tummy tucks where it was kind of like trying to stretch out a sheet of plywood on their stomach because the skin, there was so much scar tissue underneath, I couldn't get them as tight as I would normally get them because the skin just wouldn't stretch. Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned that you stage these surgeries sometimes when mm-hmm. they need some debulking, if you will, from liposuction. But some of that staging may also be related to the length of the surgery, the length of time under anesthesia. How long do the surgeries typically take? And what do you tell patients about limits during a single surgery setting? 
You know, it's interesting and, and that's something that has evolved as I've evolved and I found that if I can keep the initial surgery under three and a half or four hours, I feel like I do a better job. I think the patient recovers faster. They don't lose as much blood. They don't get as cold. They're not as miserable immediately post-op and I get things tighter. So I think you have to stage, especially mm -hmm. most people who need a thigh lift need other procedures or want other procedures too. And right. typically, like say someone who's got a lot of lax skin, I usually start with this with the tummy tuck because that will lift the anterior thigh somewhat. A little bit, yeah. It really will. And for people who have lost weight but are kind of stuck, taking off that extra skin and fat from the tummy oftentimes will kind of catapult them into another round of a little more weight loss. Yeah, it's a great motivation. It really is. And and unlike I think thighs and arms and breasts, tummies withstand more weight loss really well. Mm -hmm. But if I always warn people who are like, oh, I'm going to lose 20 more pounds. Okay, well, I could do your tummy tuck, but if I do your breast lift or your thigh lift, you lose 20 more pounds, you're going to have more extra skin. And yeah. you seem like a lovely person. I'd love to charge you twice to do the same <laughs> procedure again, but you're not going to like me very much right. if we're doing the same procedure twice. So I think staging is important. And I usually tell people I can usually do like two procedures at once, like do the tummy and the butt lift or do the tummy and the breast and then come mm -hmm. back and do the butt lift and the thighs. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't like to do thighs and tummy very rarely at the same time because I feel like they're pulling against each other. That's a good point. And yeah. the swelling is such, I feel like you need a revision if I do that. Yeah. And it's tough on the patient to be it under is tough. anesthesia that long and tough on the surgeon, you know, for just stamina. So... Yeah, and tough to get up and move when you have that many areas that hurt, you know, yeah. and we've, it's so important to get up and move after surgery to prevent blood clots and, mm -hmm. and you know, to make sure that you are mobile. It's just harder the longer your surgery is. Yeah. Do you typically have patients stay overnight for some of these procedures? I have also transitioned to where everybody's outpatient. So I keep them oh. under three and a half, four hours and everybody's an outpatient and goes home. It's interesting because, I mean, they get up and move because they have to get up and move and walk to the car and they have to walk when they get out of the car at the house to get in the house. Right. But they also have someone at the house who loves and cares about them who is right there uh, to bring them yeah. something to drink, to help them get to the bathroom, to bring exactly. them a pain pill. You can't just go to an empty house. You can't so. just go to an empty house. you got to have somebody with you. But as good as hospitals are, those people working there don't love you. <laughs> so And they've got other people they have to take care of, too. So they like you a lot. Of course. Of and course. they'll bring you your pain pill and your drink of water <laughs> right. and help you get to the bathroom. But you may have to wait for the the other couple of people next yeah, door down the hallway. Absolutely. So, Well, now what about use of drains and compression garments? Do you use those? And if so, what are the benefits of those? I use compression garments and I tell patients that compression should feel good. And I know plenty of plastic surgeons who don't use compression and I think they get lovely results, but I think the patients, in my experience, the patients swell more yeah. and the more you swell, the more uncomfortable you are. Yeah. So it's nice to have that support of the garment. Yeah. I think the support of the garment really helps with comfort. It helps feel like you're protecting your incision. And I think it does help prevent from getting a pocket of fluid or a pocket of blood. Mm -hmm. I have transitioned on my thighs, on my arms. There just isn't space for a drain typically. And I yeah. usually do kind of deep three-point sutures. So I'm closing off the dead space and not leaving a pocket. Got it. And I've done that on my tummies. And it does help people move better, I think. Not having a drain in. 
not having to drain it. But I do think the compression helps, but I always tell patients, if it's hurting, take it off. You don't want mm. something so tight on your legs, you feel like your legs are swelling, something so tight on your arms, you feel like your legs are, or your arms are swelling. And sometimes, again, like we kind of talked about, there is so much great shapewear out there, whether it's Spanx or Lululemons, a lot of times people can transition into their exercise pants oh, yeah. sooner and give them kind of a, a, the first two weeks they stay in the girdle I send them with, and then after that they can transition out. Into their own stuff, which is much more comfortable. <laughs> so Much more comfortable, not heavy duty zippers on the sides <laughs> right. and clips and oh, gosh. all of that. Um, well, now, what about sitting restrictions that you might give to patients afterwards? Are these, um, do you use those? Are they important? And what's the risk of noncompliance or not listening to Dr. Haas? Pulling them apart. You know, the only thigh lifts I've really had trouble with were we could identify what the problem was, why the incision popped open, right? Mm -hmm. One was a patient dropped her pet rabbit and lunged to get the pet rabbit oh, <laughs> no, and oh, jumped no. and felt something pop behind her. Uh, I had another patient that kept climbing up into a great big truck. And every time she pushed her foot down and my nurse figured that one out because she said, I've split out two pairs of jeans pushing up in a truck exactly the same way. And my jean, <laughs> oh, no. the seam in my jeans is just right where her incision is. Oh, gosh. So I think you have to warn people about specific I haven't had so much trouble with sitting because I think the discomfort with sitting keeps people from being too rough when right. they sit. Yeah. Uh, I do warn them that sitting on a toilet seat is going to not be very comfortable. Ooh. You know, with Amazon, you can buy all kinds of lifts and things to protect your bottom after surgery. Oh, yeah. Now, what do you tell people about um, typical downtime for some of these procedures? You know, it's interesting because I think because patients aren't taking sick time. Most people are able to go back to work at two weeks. Mm. Now, I usually tell them, you know, no heavy lifting, no pushing, pulling, nothing gets your heart rate up, blood pressure up for two weeks. And heavy lifting being more than 10 pounds or say a gallon of milk. Yeah. At two weeks, I let people get back to kind of doing more what they were doing. I think high impact like running or bouncing doesn't feel comfortable even after a small area of liposuction, let alone if you've had a bunch of skin taken out from a thigh lift. But I can let them start getting their heart rate up. Spin or Peloton is great because it's not high impact, but they can start getting their heart rate up at two weeks. And then by three weeks, they should be doing most of what they were doing before, except I don't let people submerge and bathe, get in a hot tub, get in a pool, get in a lake, get in an ocean until they're at least a month, six weeks out. And what's your thought about those? You could have just a microscopic opening. I mean, certainly if they can feel a crust, they can't. But you can track some pretty bad bugs, some bacteria down an incision line. Yeah, and create an infection. And not even know you're doing it. So I have people wait for that. Showering by 48 hours, obviously. Oh, good, but, good, good. Yeah. I'm sure they love that. My patients used to as well. Absolutely. Right. Um, of course, let's talk about the elephant in the room, though. What about, you know, there's always a trade-off with great surgeries like this that make such a big change. What about scars? Uh, could you talk a little bit about location and length? Mm. So 
if you're doing a thigh lift, it's going to be a long scar. And, and I have patients come in and be like, but if you just pinch just this three inches, look how much better it looks. But some of us are old enough to have actually sewn clothes or sewn different materials. Yeah. You have to take the dart out. You've got to yes. get the whole length of the yeah. incision out. So scars are long. If we're just tightening that upper third to half of the thigh and not tightening up you know, around the girth, not, not mm -hmm. changing the the bell bottom to a peg leg, right. then you can hide most of that scar under the butt and in the front in kind of a bikini liner bathing suit bottom. But if we're having to go down to tighten up the whole leg kind of circumferentially and you want to tighten up outer leg, you want to get down to the knee, it's going to be a long scar all the way from your, from your pubic area all the way to your knee. And they tend to make really red scars. I always tell patients, I think there's some of the worst scars early on and they take the longest to mature. And by two or three years, they look pretty good. But the first six months, they're going to be red. Mm -hmm. They can be thick. And sometimes they can, they can widen because if you pull somebody tight, the scar wants to stretch and respond. Right. right. We try to uh, have patients stay like in paper tape for at least two months after surgery. I think it helps redistribute the tension as well as it's massaging the scar mm -hmm. all day long. And that helps. But, you know, inner thighs is kind of hard to get paper tape to stay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's an awkward spot. <laughs> it's an awkward spot. And uh, you mentioned a mature scar uh, earlier. So mature scar would be kind of faded in color and thinned out in thickness. and In thickness. Kind of like a final result. But it takes a long time to get there. And I and I'm very careful in the office to show people pictures of those immature scars. Uh, because I think people need if they're prepared, yeah, then they don't bother them. But if it, yeah. it's kind of a shock if you're not don't know that you're gonna have what looks like a thick red earthworm down the inside yeah. of your thigh or the yes. inside of your arm for about six months, you're like, Oh, I didn't wasn't prepared for this. Oh, yeah. Well, now, aside from more minor issues, are there some major complications to worry about with these procedures? Uh, I think, you know, any general anesthetic you worry about, and certainly with the thigh lift, you worry about patients getting more swelling, you worry about uh, interfering with the lymphatic drainage and getting more swelling distally. And is it swollen because the lymphatics are swollen and kind of choked off, or is the foot swollen because the patient has a blood clot? So I think, yeah. you know, interval swelling, uh, doing the avulsion technique, I think is actually really reduced. Even my transient, my, my short-term uh, lymphatic swelling, because you leave so many more lymphatics in place that way. But I think long-term, it's, it's more about patient expectations, about how good you can make it, which again, is not like pulling on a pair of pantyhose, and that they are going to have a scar. So it's a trade-off. Got it. And who do you think might not be a good candidate for this type of surgery? Uh, we've talked about medically, you know, how you have to be a good candidate, but are there situations where you think someone's just not going to get the kind of result they are envisioning? Or sometimes it is about expectations and, and that communication. I think a lot of times about expectations. And I think smokers, I don't think we talk enough about how yeah. smokers just, number one, they don't heal well. And you could yes. end up with a big open wound for a long time. But they also don't scar great necessarily yeah. either. They don't get the same amount of oxygenation to the tissues. And they so. do not. And whether it's smoking or it's a nicotine patch, which I think patients don't know. And now 
We need to ask about vaping. Are you vaping with nicotine oh, products yes. to stop yeah. smoking, which helps your lungs, but doesn't necessarily help your healing capabilities? Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think those are all things to talk about. Good to be aware of for sure. And how do you counsel patients about the expected longevity of results? Do you tell them to expect a certain amount of time or um, give them a range, or do you not even mention that? That's interesting. You know, with the thigh lift, I mean, I think we talk about that a lot with breasts and breast lifts because they just keep falling down. I think with tummy tucks and thigh lifts, it's almost, unless there's a big change in weight again or lifestyle change, I think if you're correcting what the problem was, I think the mm -hmm. longevity is pretty good. Now, as your skin continues to age over time, you're going to get a little more laxity, but not necessarily just because those aren't areas that tend to just drop no matter what you do. Yeah, restretch so quickly. Um, and can revisions be done or how easily can those be done if they're needed? I think revisions can be done really easily and uh, certainly revisions for scarring, revisions if they go ahead and lose more weight or occasionally you get somebody who gets pregnant after they've had a bunch of body yes. lift procedures and then they kind of restretch and things are different after pregnancy or they're yeah. different after menopause. So you're retightening, not necessarily for big amounts of skin, but the things are just different and you need a little tighter somewhere else than where you'd been tighter before. Yeah, that's an excellent thing to think about. Uh, now, if listeners are wondering if they might be candidates for such surgery, what should they do? I think, you know, it's the internet is a wonderful thing. It's an evil thing, but it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. I think if you can go, you know, look at yourself, you can pinch, see if maybe you've got extra skin, you can pinch. If you can't pinch the extra skin, then it may just be fat, maybe liposuction is your candidate for. You may not need either one. Uh, but I think that with uh, social media, a lot of people post their before and after results, results on Instagram. Websites are usually really good to have actual before and afters versus maybe something with a filter or something that's an on-table result that isn't necessarily a long-term result. But right. I always tell patients, if you can find somebody who looks like you in the pre-operative picture, then you should be able to get to the after picture. Mm -hmm. But if the pre-operative picture doesn't look like you, then you can't, you can't try to get to that after picture. And there's so many, so many websites now and so many before and afters you can look at. But mm -hmm. again, the Instagram with filter and sparkles or with the thighs all lubed up with right. oil in the OR to make them look shiny and pretty is not, it's not going to give you your best example of what you're going to look like day to day. Yeah, that's, that's uh, very wise. <laughs> Well, gosh, this has been a great talk about these interesting procedures. And uh, I wonder if you have any final thoughts or message for the listeners about body lifts and thigh lifts or about plastic surgery in general. I think the important thing with plastic surgery in general is that we've, you know, used to be back when we were in training, the same was if people liked their plastic surgery, they would tell one person. If they didn't like it, they would tell 100. But plastic surgery is not like that now. Everybody talks about it. Everybody's interested yeah, in it. It's different. And it, it's very different. But part of that difference has brought on people doing plastic surgery, performing plastic surgery, who aren't necessarily trained to do it. So mm. I would just warn listeners, look for a board-certified plastic surgeon in your area. And they should be board-certified in plastic surgery, not a board-certified 
cardiac surgeon who's decided to branch out into liposuction because I should not be doing cardiac surgery. I should not, you should not come to me for your heart attack. You should not come to me to deliver your baby. So go to a board certified plastic surgeon, look at their website. If, if they don't have a lot of lower body lifts on there, they're probably not that interested in doing them. Go to somebody who does. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and talk to your friends. Well, Dr. Melinda Hawes, future president of the Aesthetic Society. Thank you so much for taking a little time to Thank you so much. It was great. Talk to the listeners here. I know everyone's going to really get a lot out of this and I really appreciate it. So thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you. Take care.